Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's great to be back here with you today. If you don't know me, you're a guest with us today. My name is Trevor, and I'm one of the pastors here at Community of Hope. I'm really glad that you've joined us here today. Uh, before we continue on, let's honor the band. Say thank you to them for leading us in worship. That was great. Thank you, team. And I would be remiss if we didn't take a moment to honor Jose for preaching last week to us. I heard he did a great job. Good job, Jose. Where'd he go? He's in the back there. He did a great job, minus something about getting up here and saying, no, Pastor Trevor didn't get handsomer between weeks. Whatever, man, whatever. My feelings are only a little bit hurt, but that's okay. But Jose, you did a great job. Thank you for filling in. Thank you so very much, man. We appreciate you so much. Now, uh, as you just saw from the video from our lead and founding pastor, Pastor Dale, uh, this week is going to be starting the Lent season. It begins this Wednesday, uh, which is Ash Wednesday. And we're going to be having Ash Wednesday, uh, a special drive-through Ash's experience. No, we're not becoming McDonald's, Okay. It's just more of what we're trying to do in a COVID season to make space for everybody and as, as much in-person stuff as people feel comfortable with. So we're going to be doing it at both campuses. So if you want to come uh, get the imposition of ashes on your forehead, uh, that's going to be this Wednesday. We're going to be available in the morning here from 7 to 8 a.m. and then after work from 5 to 6 p.m., whatever is best for you, your day, and your schedule. We just encourage you to come on out, drive through. It's all going to be COVID, family safe and friendly and, and all that stuff. So um, make sure you do that. Let everybody Everybody know about it, let your friends and family know about it. It's also a great outreach experience because some people, uh, they have just remembered residue of religion. They don't necessarily practice going to church, but things like Ash Wednesday, things like Christmas, and things like Easter are special ways to help people take a step back into the life of the church. Little practices like that. So make sure you spread the word about that. Uh, one last quick thing about Ash Wednesday for those of you who are going to be coming here. Do not worry, the church will look a little bit different on Wednesday. We are tenting the buildings, not this one, but the ones to, uh, on this side of us because we have termites. Oh. So we're going to be tenting the buildings. So if you wonder what the heck is going on, that's what's going on. Nobody come here this week. You won't be allowed in unless you want to hang out with a bunch of termites. Deal? Great. Okay, great. So make sure you come on out on Wednesday. We're really excited to see you then. Uh, also, I'll be remiss to, not, uh, to also remind everybody, uh, you should have seen it, an email on social media this week. And if you haven't, we're letting everybody know that starting next week, we're changing our service times. Instead of at 9, we're now going to start at 10 a.m. for this service right here. Yay, right? So we're going to be starting at 10 a.m. We know it's been, uh, we're trying to figure out stuff for COVID to get COH Espanol and our English-speaking congregation in this room at the same time because of COVID. And now we're just trying to figure that out, trying to get everybody here. So um, let people know who haven't come back yet. If nine was hard to come, hard to make it to, um, let people know. We're starting at 10 next week. So if you come at nine, you'll just be here early to pray with us, okay? But otherwise, we'll see you at 10 next week. Now, uh, also, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, you bunch of lovebirds. Did you guys know that today is the anniversary for two different couples in our church? They got married on Valentine's Day. Isn't that nuts? We have Pete and Vicki Speckman. Today's their anniversary. Can we honor Pete and Vicki? 
And also, Don and Debbie Mead. Don and Debbie, where are you guys? Are they here today? There they are. Happy anniversary to you guys. You bunch of lovebirds. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. And I just wanted to let you know I am so full of love. I'm so full of love. Not just because it's Valentine's Day, but I'm full of love because I love my Buccaneers. And we won the Super Bowl last Sunday. Oh, yeah, man. I'm so pumped. Here's a picture of the Johnston family. We threw a big party at our house with some of our small group friends. Look at that. Oh, man. I never in my life ever thought I'd buy a Tom Brady jersey, ever. And I bought two for this dang game. My favorite moment from the whole time was right when the Bucks were about to win. Ten seconds left on the clock. Go ahead and show the next picture. My boy jumped in my arms. I'm going to remember that the rest of my life. He's just going to remember how his dad smelled like Cheetos and hot dogs or something. But, oh, it was so great. Um, I even heard that, you know, lots of people were excited about it. Some people thought I had gone to the game, and no, I did not go to the game. Some people thought I was the streaker in the game. I cannot confirm nor deny that. No, but I was offered tickets to the game. I was offered tickets, and I didn't go. I did, don't feel bad for me, but let me just read to you the text message I got um, about these tickets. So this is what somebody sent to me on my phone the week before the game. They said, if anybody is interested, a friend of mine has two tickets to the 2021 Super Bowl in Tampa, both box seats. He paid $21,500 each, each. It comes with a ride to and from the airport, lunch, dinner, and a tab, also a backstage pass to the winner's locker room. He didn't realize, though, that when he bought them, it was going to be on the same day as his wedding. Rut row. Move. Now, uh, so this is what the message said. So if you're interested, he's looking for someone to take his place. It's at St. Peter's Church in Orlando at 3 p.m. Her name is Ashley. She's 5'4", 115 pounds. She loves to fish and hunt. She'll be the one in the white dress. Enough of that nonsense. Everyone stay with me. Go Bucks. Yes. Okay. Cheap plug done. Okay. Now we can talk about Jesus. Awesome. Well, today we are going to be concluding our series that we've called Get Your Life Back. And what we've been talking about for the past several weeks is what makes the human soul flourish. Like we're not just starting the year off with best year, best you, and how to lose weight and how to learn more. Those things are all good, and I think God cares about how we treat our minds and our bodies. We want to have a unique conversation about the human soul and what makes it flourish. Our theme verse has been Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Let's go and read that one more time out loud. Let's go. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When Jesus is talking about his yoke, we've talked about this. He's not talking about how he likes his eggs. He's talking about a yoke was an ancient Hebrew idiom for how a rabbi would teach a lifestyle, a way of life, and how to approach living out your faith with your soul. So we're just trying to learn about the lifestyle that Jesus taught, not just his theology, not just his ethics, how Jesus lived his life and how he walked his faith and how he practiced these things. If we emulate them, we think too that that means we'll find rest, life for the deep part of you in here. If you came here today and you're tired deep in here, you've come to the right place. Jesus is here and he offers you life and rest. Amen. 
Amen. So here's where we've been. Here's a quick recap. We first talked about how we need to pause, how Jesus would often pause and go away to lonely places and be still and be quiet with the Father. We talked about how Jesus was never in a hurry ever, so he teaches us to slow down. We learned how Jesus was consistently outside and how the heavens declare the glory of God. And when people just simply get outside in God's creation, something renewing happens inside of you. We've talked about the need to unplug, to be able to simply step back from some of our technology so we can focus on God and focus on our souls and get the noise down. And then last week, Jose spoke to us about the need to remember who we love and to remember to bring our adoration to God. And when we stop and not only smell the roses, but we stop and thank the person who made the rose in the first place, that something happens to your soul and it gets filled with life. And so this is where we've been. And we're going to continue the conversation today about how to best fill up our souls. So here's kind of a metaphor I'm thinking about today is that if your soul is a vessel and your vessel, your soul was meant to be filled and it's meant to be filled with God, doesn't it make sense that you should ask God and that we collectively should ask God to heal the vessel we're asking him to fill? This is what we're talking about today. We're asking God to heal the vessel we're asking him to fill. Um, if you can remember back just two months ago, uh, Christmas was, can you believe that Christmas was almost two months ago? Crazy, right? How many of you can remember your favorite Christmas gift? If you can remember any gifts that you got for Christmas, right? Um, I can think of some of my favorite ones. Obviously, there's the obligatory Tom Brady t-shirt jersey my wife gave me. Duh, that was great, okay? Um, I got some really great MMA training gloves. My favorite way to exercise is to do martial arts. I know I like to eat cookies, but I do work out, okay? Um, I like that. Uh, I also got a great t-shirt from, you know, just other graphic t-shirts and whatnot. And then I also got this thing I want to show you here today. This is called a grill daddy, okay? Who's my men in here who like to grill? Oorah, right? There you go. Great. So um, this is a grill daddy, and this is my second grill daddy I've ever had. Now, here's why this thing is really cool. It's totally for as seen on TV, okay? So what it is, is this kit, you take off the cap here, and you pour water in it, and the whole handle holds water. And this lever right here, when you turn it, it lets water drip out the top here for the, the grate here for, you, for your brush so that when you're done grilling, when you turn on your grill daddy and you go to brush it, it's dripping water and steam cleaning it as you're brushing it. My grill plates have been immaculate for a decade, y'all. And my old grill daddy was covered in you know, grease and it was black and half the bristles were literally worn down like I got all my money's worth after my first grill daddy. And so I asked for a new grill daddy for Christmas from my parents. And they found one, bought it for me, great, awesome. Except for, I think they started outsourcing these to another country. They're not made in the USA anymore. There's major problems because when I poured water in for my new grill daddy, and I went to go turn this on to go get going, water didn't drip out of the front, it poured out here. And it poured out here. And it poured out of here. I'm like, the cap is on. How is water coming out of it? There is literally a hole in the cap that I could see all of you through right now. Manufacturing mishaps. There's a major leak in this thing. It's really frustrating. I was thinking about the message this week. And in a lot of ways, this is how we feel 
Now, I'm not here to tell you you're defective or a bad gift. That's not what I'm saying at all. Wrong metaphor. The pastor told me I stink as a gift. That's not what I'm saying. What I am trying to say is that we all have leaks inside of us. Our soul leaks. And it's hard when we're asking God to fill us with more of him and more of his love, more of his presence, more of his peace, more of his spirit when we can't hold on to it all because of ways we've been damaged and hurt and wounded and we're leaking out. See, what we need to do today is to ask God to heal the vessel that we're asking him to fill. Now, when we're talking about some of these leaks, there are many different evidences that your soul might have a leak inside of you. There's sometimes for some folks... Um, a leak might be you have a deep sense of unworthiness. A deep sense that you're never good enough. A deep sense that you don't matter. That's a leak in your soul. When God tries to pour his love into that, if you don't address the leak, his love will pour right on out of you and won't stay in. Some people really struggle with a sense of perfectionism. That everything has to be perfect and has to be right. And if everything's not right, it's not good enough and I'm not good enough. That's a leak in your soul because the God who who we worship in this place doesn't require perfection. He's the God of grace who meets us where we're at and then leads us to a life in him. Some of us might struggle with deep fear and anxiety where there's a pilot light on of, of worry inside of you all the time. That's a leak. Some of us might struggle with being deeply, overly, super sensitive because we've been wounded in relationships and we're never secure in any relationship. And even with God, we always question whether he loves us or not, depending on the day and the weather and the time. That's a leak. We need to ask God to heal the vessel we're asking him to fill. And the good news here in this last word in this series for how to get your life back Jesus has something to say and something to offer to the wounded soul. Jesus has something to offer to you if you have leaks inside of your soul and inner of your heart. And if you came in here today with hurts, the God we worship in this place is the God of healing. And I believe he's going to meet you here today in a special place. So our passage for today comes from John chapter 12. And this is our final passage and get your life back, and I'm really excited about this. So John 12, verse 20, if you haven't opened up your COH app notes, go ahead and do that now. But otherwise, let's read along in the passage. We're going to read 20 through 36. This is what it says. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who's from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. That's a great request. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason 
I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven, then a, then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel spoke to him. Jesus said the voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of the light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Let's pray. Lord, we pray the words of the psalmist. Would you open our eyes today to see wonderful things in your law? Jesus, you promised here how the prince of this world was being driven out. So even now in this moment, God of peace, would you crush the enemy under our feet in this time? Lord, would you bring great healing, great peace, great deliverance for anybody and everybody in this room and anybody who will listen to my voice later on over the internet? We ask that your kingdom would break in in this time and that you would help us to get our life back. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Okay, so let's just talk about what we read just for a moment. Um, John is the fourth gospel, which is one of the ancient autobiographies, excuse me, ancient biographies of the life of Jesus. And John is the most personable uh, gospel because John is written by Jesus' best friend. A third of the gospel of John comes from one private conversation. Wrap your brains around that. It's like Matthew and Mark and Luke, which have a lot of overlapping material, cover lots of different scopes of the life of Jesus. But John, when writing his account, saw what they were writing. He said, this is all good. I need to give you the inside scoop on the personal account and details of what happened with the life of Jesus. The events that we just read in John chapter 12 are days away from his betrayal, his death, and his resurrection. And they're getting us ready for the season of Lent, which is totally appropriate for us to read it here today with Lent starting on Wednesday for Ash Wednesday. Now, John is unique from other gospels because he most understands what Christians call the incarnation how we believe that Jesus was fully God and fully human, he was God in human flesh. We read this at Christmas time, how the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us from John chapter 1 verse 14. In fact, this is such an incredible truth that God would take on human flesh and come into our space and our time and become one of us. Author Max Licato says this, he who was larger than the universe became an embryo. God was given eyebrows, elbows, two kidneys, and a spleen. He stretched against the walls and floated in the amniotic fluids of his mother. It's wild. Now, what I want to show you today 
is not that just God became a baby and we, we, we remember that at Christmas time, but what's really important for today is that this child also grew to become a human and live the same type of life that you and I all live, all experience. For instance, look at this in John 12, 27. We're going to put it up on the screen. It says, now my soul is troubled. That might be one of the most human things Jesus has ever said. Now I'm bothered. Now that word troubled means to be turned upside down. It means to be grieved. It means to have knots in your stomach. It means to, be, to not be okay. Can you imagine God coming to you and saying, I'm not okay? That should blow our minds. And yet here it is in the same account as this is the word made flesh. Fully God, fully human. This matters for you and for me. Because it means something that a God who knows what it's like to not be okay can come and help you when you're not okay. Jesus says this in many other places. Look at this. Matthew 26. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Have any of you ever felt that way? John eleven thirty three. 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along also weeping with her, he was deeply moved in spirit. And there it is again, troubled. John 13, 21, after he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. So he has anxiety, he has empathy, he knows what it's like to feel betrayal and hurt. Jesus knows what it's like to not be okay. He understands what it's like to live a human life Theologian David Bryant says this, unprotected and vulnerable in his humanity, Jesus entered directly into our painful frustrations, engaged our precarious conditions, tasted our futilities, and embraced our despairs. See, Jesus' experience and knowledge of our pain, it's not distant, it's not secondhand, it's not theoretical. Jesus' knowledge of your pain and my pain is direct and firsthand and personal. And the great German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. This is why it matters. Because the only God that can help is a God who understands suffering. He said only the suffering God can help. If he knows what it's like to not be okay, then he can help you and me when we're not okay. And here's what we can learn from him. First off, when Jesus was not okay, he acknowledged his pain and he teaches us that we can acknowledge our pain. He said, my soul is troubled. Not might be troubled, not kind of be troubled. He didn't say, I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm all good, bro. He said, my soul is troubled. When he hurt, he didn't brush it off. He didn't bury it in denial. He didn't do any of that. Uh, for those of you, I'm not sure how many people would know this here. I'm just going to show how much of a movie nerd I am. Anybody here remember the 80s movie Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger? A couple of us, okay. Yeah, so there's a great line in the movie with Jesse, uh, Jesse the Body Ventura, who is in that movie. He was also a wrestler. 
There it is if you're playing Trevor Bingo during preaching. Um, he said, like, somebody looked at him when he's in the jungle hunting this alien and said, you're bleeding. And he said, I ain't got time to bleed. That's exactly what a lot of us do. We're hurting and struggling in life and I ain't got time to bleed. I ain't got time to hurt. We bury our pain. We pretend it's not there. We neglect it or we deny it. And I'm going to say to all of us here what some of our friends in CR say, denial is not a river in Egypt. (laughs) But it's a real thing. See, pretending that something is not there doesn't make it go away. This is what I do. I like my wife and I, we call this when I don't want to deal with something, I'm in denial, I put it on the shelf. I'm like, well, I know it kind of exists. I'm just going to put it on the shelf and then forget it that it's there and it's going to get better. But I'm not sure that necessarily works. My car doesn't repair itself if I just pretend the check engine light isn't on. The yellow spots in my pool don't go away if I just hope they'll go away, right? If I have a wet spot in my ceiling, I'll go... I'll just deal with that later. It doesn't automatically dry up. It's the same thing that's true with our souls. We can't ignore our pain. We can, it just doesn't work. And so Jesus teaches us in many, many ways. He faced his pain, acknowledged his pain, owned that he was hurting, and he admitted it to himself first. So for some of you, if you really want to get your life back and you want God to pour his life into your soul and you don't want to leak it all out everywhere, you've got to stop running from your pain and start running from your past and stop running from your hurt. Some of you might be very little things and some of you might be huge things you've never dealt with and you've just pretended that they're not there. Jesus teaches us to acknowledge our pain. Here's what we can also learn from him. After Jesus acknowledged his pain, he began to acknowledge his pain to those he trusted. And we can learn to acknowledge our pain to those we trust. See, in the Gospels here, what we can see is that Jesus did this with his closest friends and followers, most with his 12 disciples. We see this a lot in the Gospel of John because it was with his closest friends that Jesus did this. Now, we know that this is all wonderful vulnerability from Jesus And we know that Jesus did this because he actually said it to his friends and they recorded it down. He didn't just hold it within himself. Jesus was not the type of person to say, I don't like to burden other people with my problems. Never once he ever said that. Never once was he too tough to be able to tell somebody that he wasn't okay. He told his friends. Now he told his trusted friends, can I just put a... a, What's the word I'm looking for here? Caveat, sure. Thanks. You get preaching points. Thanks, Matt. Jesus also didn't tell everybody everything. I think our struggles today, especially for anybody who's, you know, younger in the room, we think being vulnerable means putting out on social media that we're not okay. That's not vulnerability. That's immaturity. Right? Right? Jesus had a close circle of friends that he trusted, that he bared his soul to. After you face it yourself, you have to begin to tell other people. You don't have to tell everybody, but you have to tell some people. And what happens when you tell some people, you know what the two most powerful words in the English language are? I understand. And when you have a circle of friends 
who you can be honest with about your pain, who will listen to you without a judgmental heart, who will not try to fix your problem, but will just receive you as you are. I'm convinced, everybody, that half of healing the wounds inside of our hearts comes from just somebody listening to us. Now, that's a great thing for all us to learn how to do better. We need to become better at listening for all of us. But do you have a circle of people who will listen to you in your pain? If you don't, we will help you find those people in our church. Especially if you've gone through pain, like we have a group called Grief Share. Some of you, the most spiritual thing you could do today is go to Grief Share to process your pain or divorce care. Or maybe to just sign up for a group to begin to build some friends and maybe God will provide some providential relationships for you where you can be honest with people and they can be honest back with you. So he acknowledged his pain to someone he trusts, but here's ultimately what Jesus did, which is where we're going to land today. If you want to be able to hold the presence of God in your heart and your life that he's trying to pour into you as you try to get your life back, do this. Jesus acknowledged his pain to God. He acknowledged his pain to the Father. I think so many people will be able to say, I'm not okay, and they'll be able to tell other people, I'm not okay, but they think just saying in a group of people absolves them from the step of looking at the Father and going, I'm not okay, and bringing it to him. We've said all throughout this series that Jesus that was a human, and then you learned to pray the Psalms. Listen to this, guys. This is, this is not on the screen. I just want you to listen with open heart. Psalm 34, 18. This is how Jesus learned how to pray. It says here, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And Psalm 147, verse three, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And this is what I know to be true about Jesus that he practiced in his life when his earthly father died when his friends betrayed him, when his religious community rejected him, when he was homeless and poor, when he was wrongly convicted for a crime he didn't do, when he was abandoned by everyone, where he was left to die a gruesome death all by himself, he lifted up his heart to the God who is the healer of the brokenhearted. So really what I'm just telling you is please bring your pain to God and he'll heal you. I know because I've experienced it. Now it's not necessarily magic. Some of you might need the work of a godly counselor. You might need the help of one of our pastors on our team or the help of your small group. It's a process. It takes time. It's not overnight. It's not a light switch. But here's what I know to be sure that with all of my heart, the only thing I want to tell you today is that when you bring your pain to God, God takes it with compassion and he knows how to put broken things back together again. And he can put your broken heart back together again. There is no wound so deep that God's love is not deeper still. And there is no pain that you brought in here today that God does not know how to take to himself and mend and heal. And some of you I know are thinking when you hear me say these things, like Pastor Trevor, you don't know. You don't know, how dare you? And you're right, I don't know. I don't know everything that got brought in here today. But here's what I do know. 
It's my privilege of my life to walk people to the feet of Jesus who looks at people with love and takes their shattered hearts. And he doesn't erase what happened to them, but he can draw the poison out of these painful memories so it won't hurt anymore. And even the worst things that have ever happened to you, God in some way, in his miraculous way, makes it redemptive and finds ways to bring good even out of the worst things that have happened to us. Not because he's just putting lipstick on a pig, but because he actually is that good if you'd want it. And so Jesus has an invitation for you today. He said in Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. Will you let me in? With your pain, he won't force himself in. You have to invite him in. And here's the last thing we're going to tell you to do in this series. We told you to get outside. We told you to unplug. We told you to pause. Today, invite Jesus in. And here's the takeaway. I want you to name one loss you've experienced in life. It could be a small one. It can be a large one. I don't care. Name one loss and invite Jesus Christ into it to begin the healing journey. In fact, why don't you bow your heads right now? I'm just going to give you a moment to name a loss before God and to invite Jesus into it. Lord, we're broken people with broken hearts because we live in a broken world. But you've come to redeem everything. You said, behold, I'm making everything new. We need you to do that with us, with our hearts. Come manifest yourself in this time as the God of healing love. We invite you into the broken places of our lives. Lord, we invite you into the pain. We invite you into the loss. We invite you into the suffering. Would you step into our pain? Please, Lord, be welcomed here and move in our midst. It's in your name we pray and everyone said, amen. We're gonna sing one more song, but here's what I'd like us to do. We're gonna reprise Faithful Now. We're gonna open up the altars here in the front. If you need to come invite Jesus into your pain, come. Come to the faithful God who will do it. And let's worship him before we leave today. Everybody, listen, before we dismiss, we're going to have prayer team back here at that room right there. Everyone on prayer team, wave. There you go. Some of the kindest, nicest people in our church. If you need prayer for anything we talked about today, there's some heavy lifting to do. You can go there. They'll listen to you. They'll understand. And they'll pray for you. Head that way before you go that way. Otherwise, um, whatever your next step is, we want to help you take that. You can just text the word next to the number on the screen or go to communityofhope.church slash next. Whatever your next step is, we want to help you take that, okay? Now, would you prepare your hearts to receive this benediction? Now, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said... Amen. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next week.